This episode of Innovations in Education is brought to you by Adobe Sign. Adobe Sign helps schools go paperless, which revolutionizes the business of running an institution. Use Adobe Sign to create seamless workflows that are simple for staff and students to complete and can save your school both time and money. Reduce errors, increase security and compliance, and foster operational resiliency. From HR, finance, and procurement forms to student-facing forms like IEPs and device consent forms, paperless workflows powered by Adobe Sign create digital experiences in schools that make life a little easier for the entire campus community. Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in ed tech. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. On today's show, we have some content highlights posted to eSchool in the past few days that thankfully wrap up 2021 and look forward to 2022, which is what I like to call AP after the pandemic, hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, One piece that really stuck out for me was an essay written by Sarah Ainsley Jolly Desart. Sarah is the technology coordinator and digital coach for Elko County School District in Nevada. She offers a number of steps for districts to use going forward as a result of her experiences working with the district during the pandemic. Step number one, ensure continued access to devices and reliable internet. This is probably the most obvious realization to come out of this whole mess, uh, especially when it comes to rural districts. You know, when March 2020 hit every district, uh, no matter how rich or poor, needed to figure out a way to get their kids connected from home. And what districts discovered was that not everyone has that access. So obviously, getting those kids connected, keeping them connected is priority number one. Her next step, uh, continuing to integrate digital content into instruction. Also, maybe a no-brainer, but really before the pandemic, BP these were still kind of considered luxury items. She mentions their relationship with Discovery Education and their K-12 platform. They're able to use their library of digital content there for teachers to keep students engaged uh, in any environment, not just in the classroom, but obviously remotely. And she is hoping to keep those resources going forward. Now, step number three, I thought was of particular interest. Uh, Here's what she writes. As the first wave of the pandemic was felt in the fall of 2020, We found while some of our previous formal professional learning was very useful, teachers lacked the time necessary to attend these sessions. We realized quickly that teachers needed just-in-time help and training rather than formal professional learning opportunities. These just-in-time supports included a help desk phone line, email, chat, and Google Meet help sessions. So obviously, the new methods of professional learning are things that will definitely stick around going forward and you know, will actually become out better be- because of it. Uh, her fourth and final step was focusing on 21st century learning. She writes, this school year, our school system placed a focus on integrating the four C's, communication, collaboration, critical thinking, and creativity of 21st century learning into our now technology-rich classrooms. One strategy we used to achieve this was using digital choice boards, which give students choices on how they want to learn about a specific topic. Choice boards allow for student voice and choice and make students more accountable for their learning. 
Some other year-end takeaways come from Lisa Omastis. Lisa is president of Learning A to Z, and she pens a number of different aspects that I think make for some really insightful learning for the educator. She looks at five different aspects. Number one is on family engagement. She writes, to bridge the gap between in-person and remote learning, parents and caregivers must step in and lend a hand. Curriculum should be built with parent-caregiver involvement in mind, and districts should make programs, training, and support for families a standard. Uh, As a parent, I know that was especially important around here with my remote learning beta testers. Another aspect of professional development, the most useful professional development for teachers addresses the why and the how of the content being taught. A balance of synchronous and live instruction paired with on-demand courses is the key to giving teachers professional development opportunities where and when they need it. This definitely seems to be a really big theme. So no longer will be there three-day workshops before Labor Day, and that's the expectation of what your professional development is going to be. This is something that needs to be always on and always available for teachers anytime, anywhere. Lisa also writes about the flexibility in long online content. She writes, with not all students having the same access to online material, diversity in content is paramount. Districts and teachers should provide kids with a variety of options for quality content, such as online, but also downloadable, print, projectable, and mobile material. And finally, she writes about the value of teachers. At the center of the above initiatives are teachers, and so it is crucial that teachers are appreciated and valued as the wonderful resource that they are. Gratitude expressed is a first step towards supporting our educators in the way they need and deserve. Well, it does seem, too, Marie, when you think back to March of 2020, Everything went out the window uh, with a renewed focus on just getting students reconnected, right, by hook or by crook. To to give credit to the industry, Microsoft and others just kind of said, you know what, let's whatever we need to do, let's let's get it done. Curriculum lifted. So I mean, that was a one big massive push towards this idea of equal uh, accessibility and digital equity. Do you see that sentiment staying now in in your work with schools and and, and with the industry? Absolutely. When you just said that, it reminded me of watching Bettina Love, where she said, you know, schools said that they didn't have food, but we can see that they clearly can feed students, right? And right. uh, said that they didn't have technology, but they found the technology for students that needed. And and so it it is about what, not necessarily what can we get from education, it is how can we create a space for everyone within our education system. And, And that means that we're looking at the whole child, not just okay, what is your SAT score? What is your number? And it's it's really trying to quantify a human and a human life and their own experiences. And what we have found, uh, even in the research that um, when I first joined Sam last year, we found that parents are trying to provide and the school system can now provide whole experiences for students that they didn't know before. Um, And when we talk about teaching the whole child, we're talking about 
looking at their gift so many times, teachers look at what's wrong with the child, trying to create, you know, something in a space for them to try to correct them, right? And, and, and in order to correct them, they have to get this test score, right? And, and, and they have to prove that they're great on this test in order to, to be validated or to get money for their school, right? Well, what we're seeing is we're seeing now, hold on, we can really take time to personalize. Uh, we can take time to personalize for students. We can, we, each student has their own gift and, and they have their own goals. And now we can use technology to reach out to families, bring them into our classrooms and reach out to uh, parents and have those parent conferences that, that Sam was talking about. That's something that is not leaving. Yeah. And we, uh, we can use tools like Translator to efficiently translate what's going on in the classroom to parents and create goals with parents, um, co-create goals, not just say, okay, this is what I need your child to do to pass this test, right? Yeah. It is about, this is, you know, tell me what your goals are for your child, and I can see how I can support that in my classroom. And right. this is what I'm going to do in my classroom to support your goals. Now we have we have buy-in from the parents, we have buy-in from the teacher, and we have buy-in from that child. And that child is going to do their best when we when we're talking about the inclusive classroom. It includes parents too. And I I know we were going to stay, <laughs> but but I mean it, it is it is part of the classroom. That's one of the things that I worked on. And when and when we first contact parents, instead of telling them all the little naughty things kids do in class, we talk to them about their gifts. And how would how would they like for us to proceed in developing the gifts and talents of their children? And and that is what's most important when we're when we're talking about technology, when we're talking about curriculum, when we're just talking about being a part and, and being a team in the classroom. And finally, today, there's one other aspect of schooling during DP during pandemic. Uh, and it looks like it's going to remain AP after pandemic. And that's the concept of SEL. Now, this is an acronym I had heard in EdTech circles for years. And I would always politely nod and pretend to know exactly what it meant, but without really having any idea uh, of what it did mean. Social emotional learning used to be a bit of a luxury, I think, a, a side item that was a nice to have for districts, uh, but not necessarily at the top of the list. Obviously, because of COVID, social emotional learning has taken a front and center. In this interview with Erica Siebert, Erica is Director of School Counseling and Student Support Programs at Stride. She helps break down the specifics on what SEL really means. Have a listen. Folks understand SEL. I always return to the educator classic of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And the middle layer there are those social connections, family and friendships. And if you think about what happened during the pandemic, that really swung in both directions, right? You may have gotten a whole lot more intimacy and closeness with your family unit and a whole lot less with your peer group or your friends. So that was the one level that was really, really stressed. And especially for um, students and, and families that experience loss as a result of the pandemic, that one really is out of whack with, um, you know, those family relationships that you have in your home and how those are impacted. So 
I think that was probably one of the greatest impacts out of last year was this, just that change in our, our social lives um, where we kind of went up in one direction of the scale and then it tipped the other one um, down. And, and still that's very much in flux and people are figuring out what that looks like. Regardless though, we mentioned earlier the, the school-wide implementation of SEL and any um, school-wide program is going to think about that audience of the parents um, that are at home or, or the guardians, and they're going to be including them in the messaging, the decision-making, the education, the training around SEL um, activities to do at home. That's something that we do regularly is is share out, you know, here's the theme we're studying right now for SEL. Here are some at-home activities, some simple conversation starters for the dinner table where you can discuss this with your child and learn more about what they're learning in the classroom. Talk a little bit about how it's integrated into the everyday curriculum. So, I mean, is it is it an added on or is it, you know, you probably need it more than ever in social studies these days. Um, but like in each specific subject, take us through a kind of like a day to day if you're an administrator or you're one of those 35 percent uh, who are listening right now who don't have something in place. So ideally, it's going to be integrated, but honestly, I kind of see it in three different like phases, depending where your school is with starting your program. The first might be like a standalone lesson where we're teaching something very distinct related to one of the core competencies of SEL and those skills. And that's what the lesson is based on is really rooted in SEL. The second piece is going to be integration into the regular classroom environment with the teacher themselves where they are bringing in bits and pieces of SEL strategies or concepts into their regular classroom environment and lesson. And there are some simple best practices that maybe we can come back to that are just good to model in any classroom environment that aren't, aren't necessarily SEL content, but just some of the routines and rituals that make for uh, great learning environments. And then the third way is really that next level, which is what you were alluding to, is that cross-curricular SEL infusion, where maybe you're reading a particular literature piece that has some of these concepts, such as empathy for characters, et cetera. And that's where you can really infuse those SEL concepts into the content itself. And, and so those are three different ways that I'll see SEL uh, implemented, but ideally it's gonna be integrated. It's not just gonna be a standalone lesson where one teacher or counselor or person is teaching a group of kids and then they never hear about those concepts in the rest of their school day. Yeah, so that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eschoolnews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the ed tech space. Remember that eSchool News is always free for educators and always trying to help innovative educators just like yourself. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News. Once again, this episode was brought to you by Adobe Sign. Adobe Sign helps schools go paperless, which revolutionizes the business of running an institution. Use Adobe Sign to create seamless workflows that are simple for staff and students to complete and can save your school both time and money. Reduce errors, increase security and compliance, and foster operational resiliency. Be sure to tap into the four-part series, Back Office Innovations in K-12, on the webinar tab at eschoolnews.com, where we discuss how to build efficiencies 
and data security and compliance through forms process automation.